This evening at Vespers, for the hymn, we're going to sing this following line, Vexilla Regis Prodeunt, Fulget Crucis Mysterium. This is a famous hymn, Vexilla Regis Prodeunt, composed by a man named Venantius Fortunatus in the year 569, and it was first sung in a procession of a relic of the Holy Cross. The procession went from Tours to Poitiers. And the relic was a gift from Emperor Justin II to St. Radagunda. She was in the process of founding a monastery, interestingly enough, called the Monastery of the Holy Cross. And uh, so this relic was the founding relic of this monastery. Now, normally in the monastery here, we sing this hymn in translation. Tonight we're going to sing the office in Latin. Uh, so it appears in today's feast um, uh, also during Holy Week. And the translation we have is really excellent. It's by John Mason Neal, and all of his translations are great, uh, but it's slightly inaccurate in these lines. His translation reads, The, the standards, uh, the royal banners forward go, the cross shines forth in mystic glow. But a more literal translation would be like this, The standards of the king go forth, the mystery of the cross is radiant. So this phrase, the mystery of the cross, it's quite significant to me. This is because the word mystery uh, is roughly equivalent in the theology of the early church to the word sacrament. They were interchangeable, in fact, for the first many centuries of the church. And this is why before Holy Communion, the priest says the mystery of faith, and he's referring to the blessed sacrament. In both cases, mystery and sacrament were meant to understand an outward sign that conveys inward grace. And because grace is a participation in the very life of God, mysteries always open us onto a reality that's greater than we can convey in words. So we can't ever explain a mystery in its fullness, or a sacrament for that matter. Understanding comes not through explaining or talking so much, but by experiencing. So in the early church, for example, the catechumens were baptized at the Easter vigil, but they weren't told ahead of time what was going to happen. They were just brought in, dunked in this water, and then they were taught the Lord's Prayer and given a white robe. And then they spent the week after this, the octave of Easter, wearing their white robes and meditating with a teacher, with the help of a teacher, on what had happened to them, what God had done to them in baptism, what they had received in baptism, what they were to live out now that they were baptized, always referring back to this experience of dying in the font, being submerged in the water. So to refer to the cross as a mystery is to place it in this dynamic. Every time we make the sign of the cross, we place ourselves in this relationship of grace, and we open ourselves up to a reality that transcends what we can explain in words. And what's the experience that we're relying on in this case to try to understand the mystery of the cross? The experience is the very human reality of suffering. The cross demonstrates that suffering can be a kind of sacrament, an outward experience that conveys inward grace. And we'll be, we will be able to understand this and profit from it more directly if we're able to see how our suffering is Christ's suffering. So just as the Jews in the first reading are told to turn and look at this bronze serpent and be saved, so Jesus tells us in the gospel, turn 
and look at the cross. Look at Christ's suffering on the cross, and you will be saved. When you are suffering, join that suffering to the suffering of Christ. Our trials are participations in the passion of Christ. We are making up for what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Now, when I was a kid, and I'm sure many of you had this experience, when I was asked to do something annoying like clean my room, or if I had to go to the doctor and have a broken bone set or something like that, it was common in my Catholic family to, for someone to say about this pain and inconvenience, offer it up, offer it up. Offer, you know, make an offering, make a gift. This is the root mystery of the cross and of suffering. The gift of Christ to the Father and the gift of the Father in Christ to us. There's another antiphon in today's liturgy that exhorts us to venerate the cross. Why? Because through it we receive the fruit of life. We receive Christ, our Eucharistic food. The mystery of the cross is a mystery of love. It opens us onto the law of the gift. This is so beautifully explored by Pope St. John Paul II. He wrote this, Love makes the person want to surrender to another, to the one it loves. The cross is this mystery of the love of God. Again, Christ's gift to the Father, the Father's gift to us. It's a genuine demonstration of love. God becomes man and interacts with us as one free being, with fellow free beings. And to prove that Christ wishes us to be free, he didn't create us to be marionettes. Uh, he suffers at our hands. He becomes man with us, even if it costs him. And so we see in the cross the highest point of our freedom, the mystery of surrender, of faith and hope, the mystery of love. In both cases, it is our love for God and for our neighbor. And if we truly love after the fashion of Christ's love, we will give others their truest freedom, even as we receive it for ourselves. And unlike our parents in Eden, we won't become godlike by grasping and taking the fruit for ourselves, by demanding our share. Rather, by uniting with the new Adam, by receiving in our suffering the crucis mysterium, the mystery of the cross, we receive the very eternal life of God himself.